Crisis podcast will touch on sensitive topics regarding the human body, sexuality, pregnancy, and all aspects of women's health care, and may not be suitable for all listeners. Hello, I'm Kate. I'm PR, and this is The Midwife Crisis, because it's not just you. Well, it's The Midwife Crisis podcast. <laughs> We're not having a crisis. It's the podcast. Sometimes we have a crisis. <laughs> Sometimes everybody has a crisis, but we're not the only ones having a crisis, yep. which is why we do the podcast. That because was perfect. it's not just you. I really like that. I like that you went super deep on that. <laughs> I did, and then I had to swim back to the surface. <laughs> oh, gosh. All right. Today, we want to talk to you guys about something that can be both heavy and light, And that is body weight and body composition and how it does and doesn't affect your health as a person with female at birth parts. Talking about going deep, this is a little bit, we're going to skim a little bit of the surface here, Mm -hmm. but it will give you some food for thought for sure. Before you start talking, let me just like show of hands, even though it's a podcast, who feels personally victimized when they walk into the um, doctor's office, healthcare office, whatever. And the first thing you do is get on the scale. Everybody raise your hand. What the hell? You know, it's like, and they're so focused on it. The the very first thing is get on the scale. And I have to say something like, I'm not taking off my boots. I have a lot of, (laughs) I have a lot of weighty objects in my pockets. Phone, keys, every uh, laptop is in my back pocket. I have everything. So the first thing I do is ask how much weight they'll subtract if I take nothing off. And then like mentally determine how heavy my shoes are. And then I'll take my shoes, coat. When I was pregnant with Max, I I think I talked about this, but I hit like 199 at my last visit and I refused to be 200 pounds. And I took my pants off and they were like, no, no. And I just took my (laughs) pants. I just took my pants off because I was really losing it by then anyway. And I was like 199.4 and I was like, great. And then I had a baby. But it's like we get so crazy about weight. And then and then you get your blood pressure taken. Yeah. Right after. And you're like, oh, my God. So, yeah. Um, yeah, sorry. Side note. Just wanted to throw that out there and make sure we weren't the only ones who no, we don't are love not the scale. The only ones. It's <laughs> not just you. It's not just us. We 199.4. That's like my that's like, <laughs> that's like my fantasy weight. <laughs> How dare you use that number? That's it, my goal weight. It felt like really like just this thing that I couldn't like. It just felt like this threshold that I that I shouldn't cross. And yes. I and I had gained too much weight according to my starting weight. So like really I sh- I shouldn't have. And I just set that as a marker. And for whatever reason, it just it put me right over the edge, taking my pants off. And I work in that <laughs> office now and they like remember it. Like one, one of the secretaries is always like, yeah, remember when you took your pants off? I'm like, yeah, I do. And yeah. I did not ask permission. So I basically, I assaulted everyone. So I do actually apologize retroactively, but. That is a funny, <laughs> that's a funny story. And I think it, me mentioning that that's my goal weight brings us to some important points that yeah. we're going to discuss later that you, who had two humans sharing one body, weighed what my goal weight is. <laughs> <laughs> and we, actually, I see that all the time. I see that all the time when I'm admitting pa- patients in labor and I see their weight and I'm like, cool, cool, cool. She's full term pregnant and we weigh the same. You know, it's like, yeah. you know, and, and there's no other humans in here. Yeah. In this little body of mine. Yep. Well, little if you like are Gulliver looking at me from <laughs> from Gulliver's travels. Stop. Anywho, <laughs> enough self-deprecation. That's right. Uh, let's talk about a little bit of serious stuff. And uh, first, we're going to address traditional measures of weight as it relates to health. Um, and the first piece, which I've always had trouble with, but I don't have another tool or so many tools in the toolbox with mm-hmm. regard to this is BMI, body yep. mass index. And it's like a cuss word yep. to some people. Boo. <laughs> and it's calculated using weight and height to determine whether one's body is at or over their ideal weight. Mm-hmm. And so there's a formula for calculating it, but yep. it's much easier to just go look up a chart and yep. and, and plot yourself. Yeah. It's like ba- using a map if anyone remembers how on, to do that. Based on you know how tall you are and how much you weigh and kind yep. of plotting it. And, you know, it's it doesn't most of those charts don't divide you from between male and female mm-hmm. or any of that kind of stuff. So we're going to get into that a little bit, too. And yeah. what the flaws are. 
Another uh, tool is waist measurement. Mm -hmm. So if most of your fat is around your waist, you had a greater chance for developing risk factors for heart disease and diabetes. So if you're shaped like an apple, they say. I hate these. Right? So I'm going to bring Who's going to be like, yeah, I'm shaped like an apple? I'm going to bring it up. Yes. Like an apple with two sticks sticking out of it. I'm bringing up all the bad stuff. Yep. Um, Then you're at greater... A chance for developing risk factors for heart disease and diabetes, mm-hmm. or if you, I've heard this one, if you're develop, if you're shaped like a kind of a linebacker, who says that? That's just so mean. Anyways, measure your waist. Except for linebackers who are like, I feel great that I look like a linebacker. Of course, they I don't would. even know what sport that they is. would not. That's that's football, <laughs> and they would not feel great if someone said you look like a pear, that's which true. is desirable for you a female. Like, I don't like like men want to be like an upside down triangle or something. That's like a good shape, right? Right, yeah. exactly. So that's the linebacker. Okay, but it's bad Got when it. you're a woman and you look like a linebacker. Yeah. And that's also kind of the apple. Mm. So, which I never got that. I'm like, that doesn't look like a freaking apple. What One are of my doing? friends what used to say apples? she was shaped like SpongeBob because she was just kind of like shoulders, yes, waist, hips people. were like all the same. Yes. And, and I feel like that's a really good, no, <laughs> a really good no. description. It's like, it's not nice to, uh, to yourself or to anyone, but I feel like you can really get that visual really good with a SpongeBob. And I know, <laughs> regretfully, I've said that, uh, you know, some people will say, well, what does she look like? And I was like, kind of like Spongebob. Oh, no. She's just kind of short and kind of square. I look and... like Patrick. He... Oh, really? Because I'm a pear. Pear. Yes. <laughs> I'm a pear, too. I'm a pear, too. And I remember one time my daughter was a little bit um, overweight when she was growing up before she sort of went tall mm-hmm. and then got her womanly figure. She's yeah. really you know, by our standards, very beautiful. And uh, she says, um, I look like a can. (laughs) (laughs) We were in the dressing room one day. She tried on something gray. She said, I look like a can. So all of this is kind of discussions about body image and what people see when they look at themselves and how they feel about themselves. So back to the waist measurements, um, how you do this is measure your waist by placing a measuring tape snugly around your waist. Yeah. And your waist measurement is high if it is greater than 35 inches for women or greater than 40 inches for men. And, eh, yeah. okay. I don't know. I have, I do Moving see the on, with that, but, but we'll see the next one. Moving on, waist to hip ratio. So in this case, you're going to measure both your waist and hip circumferences, like measure around with the tape measure. And then divide the waist measurement by the hip measurement. In women, the ratio should be 0.8 or less. And in men, it should be 1 or less. This means that in women, the waist should be narrower than the hips. And in men, the waist should be narrower or the same as the hips. That's that like 38, 24, 36, only if she's 5'2". 36. No, Is that the right not, numbers? No. <laughs> Baby that's got not, back. That's Don't not be mad br- at me. <laughs> You're mixing it all up. <laughs> Haven't I taught you anything? I'm sorry. It, I tried. Brick house. 36, yes. 24, 36. I'm going to have to teach. You're going to have to learn okay. some things because <laughs> this is out of control. I'm thinking Sir, Sir Mix-a-Lot. Baby got back. Isn't that what he says? Yeah, no. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I don't know. <laughs> we're going to double We're gonna double check it. That's Brick House. It's 36, 24, 36. Sir Mix-a-Lot is Baby Got Back and he likes that back too. No, I know. <laughs> I got the numbers wrong. Okay. Anyway. Let's just stop. Um, so anyhow, uh, which way is the best way? Talk to me. To measure. Yeah. So basically, historically and traditionally and all of our research and kind of what PR was saying is that um, is BMI. Like that's what all all the main info that we have is based off of. But as we sort of touched on, BMI definitely has its limitations. So it doesn't take into uh, account your body composition. Um, And it doesn't account for whether your weight is fat or whether your weight is muscle. And so it's a major limitation because in someone who's very muscular, you think like a gymnast, you know, muscle weighs more than fat. That's the whole thing. And so it can say that they're overweight. And here they are, you know, probably the healthiest person you could even imagine, you know. Yeah. And, you know, conversely, in elderly populations, they have very low uh, muscle mass. So when you look at that population, it can say, oh, yeah, they're a normal weight because their weight's OK. But they can be actually 
overweight or sort of have those risk factors because they have predominantly more body fat. So, um, and many yeah. of these charts, as I said earlier, they don't differentiate between men and women. So it's just going by your height. The assumption is that if you are five, five, six, seven, you must be a female, or people just sort of surmise that, and you put your weight, you plot your weight in, and if you are six. I don't know, six, then you must be a male, which I know there are women who are six, six. That's, I mean, go to a, a, a basketball game, you know, a WNBA basketball game, and you're going to see all those women, right. many of them over six feet tall. And so it's just really not a fair, I don't, I don't have another tool to replace it. So, and I've always been a person that, you know, when you complain about something, you need to have a suggestion for something yeah. better. But um, it's, it's an unfair tool. And so I, I've always used it very gingerly when I'm talking to uh, patients about their situation. Absolutely. You know, I, I have this very vivid memory of my first like understanding and knowledge of BMI, which was doing the physical fitness test in gym class in high school. And oh, really? I remember they would send you to the nurse and get your height and weight. And then you would come into the gym in line, look at the chart, find your number. And then you had to like record your number. And I remember looking sort of eyeballing seeing that my number was going to be in the overweight range and then choosing a different number (laughs) (laughs) because I was traditional I was a bigger you know girl I was as as compared to my friends you know they were wearing uh, this is a throwback but they were wearing like limited two which I don't think exists anymore but and I couldn't fit I was wearing limited you know what I mean so it was like that was what it was and it's not that I was morbidly obese but I was overweight by BMI standards and I was so embarrassed like I didn't want my whole class to know you know what my weight was. And, and I think that that really does something to you, you know? Um, and, and research has actually shown that women, when guessing if they're overweight or, you know, what their body status is, they will overestimate their body status. So women will assume that they're overweight or even obese, um, without even taking their measurements, without even, you know, measuring their hips, measuring their waist, looking at their BMI. Um, when a lot of times these women don't have centralized obesity. And it makes me wonder if this focus on weight throughout the whole lifespan is is helpful or harmful, you know? Um, I think I don't see how it can really be helpful per se. I right. think you need to focus on the root of whatever it is that's causing the person to be overweight or underweight or whatever you think the appropriate weight should be. And that's very interesting that you were talking about research that women will overestimate their whatever they think their BMI is, mm-hmm. that, they, that they think that it's a little bit higher. And that's interesting because I think that in my culture that women will under, they'll estimate under. They're like, what do you mean I'm obese? <laughs> Are you kidding? Yeah. You know, my my person likes it, my man, my woman, yeah. whoever it is, they like it. And I don't, I feel good. Yeah. So I don't see what your problem is and... So then there's a little, then a fight ensues. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but you know, when you, you have to be very careful. I think it's always meeting people where they are because there are harmful effects of this focusing on weight throughout the lifespan, Mm -hmm. Uh, as in uh, disorders like bulimia and anorexia, binging, purging. And some of these things go on and people don't even realize they're doing it. Yep. Absolutely. Um, the you know if you're starving yourself, you kind of know uh, I'm kind of starving myself. But things like binging, you're just eating like that cake was good, so I ate it. Yeah, a cake really? Well, we were watching Netflix all night, mm-hmm. so we were just eating. And yep. And so, by some standards, you'd be binging because you, did you eat till you were full, or you just kept on eating because yeah. you could? Yeah. So. Um, and then getting rid of it because you felt horrible, mm-hmm. like you felt horrible emotionally or you didn't feel horrible emotionally. You just felt sick because you ate too daggone right. much. Right. So you just had to go get it out. Yeah. And so it just, um, you know, there's a link to uh, self-esteem, to depression, to eating disorders when there is that focus, that lifelong focus, especially on um, on your weight, on yeah. your, on who you, how you look your body image. Can I ask you a question? Did you grow up like acknowledging your body size, your body composition, your weight? Like, was that something that was brought up to you growing up or? Never. 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 It wasn't. And when I went to high school, once in a while, I would say things like I could, I, maybe I could lose 10 pounds. 
to be in a conversation. Yeah. But that was just BS. Yeah. Because I didn't really want to lose 10 pounds or did I really think I needed to lose 10 pounds or was I intending to do anything to lose 10 right, pounds? Right. So someone talked about dieting to me and I said to them, I had three children long, long ago. I said, bef- like after they were born, and that's when I first tried dieting, mm-hmm. like a Weight Watchers kind of thing. My kids, my youngest at that point was probably like nine years old. Yeah. And I said, that's not, that wasn't a thing in my family. Right. Diet? I'm like, what are you talking about? So this is so interesting to me. And again, this is where that like cultural difference between us comes in um, because I grew up always being aware of my weight and my mom was too and her mother was too you know I remember my nana telling a story of she was walking up the front walk of her mother's house and her mother said oh I didn't recognize you I just saw some fat woman walking up (laughs) and that's how she talked to her and so and and my grandmother was beautiful but she was curvy and big boned I mean like she had a collarbone on her that looked like it could be someone's femur like you know like she was just like big like literally big boned even you know when she was elderly and um and so my mom grew up kind of feeling that way and my mom grew up super 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 skinny and then after having kids I remember her like doing the workout videos and like drinking the diet cokes and limiting the food because she was so like stressed about being overweight and and I remember being told by them like oh you better be careful you know I'd go to eat like a piece of cake and they'd be like oh you got to be careful don't eat that you know I was talking to um actually my husband about Elio's pizza it comes frozen in like a big piece and I and I snapped off a piece and he's like what are you doing and I was like well this is three pieces and he's like never in my life have I seen anyone snap off a piece but when I grew up I would eat just the one piece because I was so scared of being fat so it's like you know you're saying the first diet you ever tried you know your youngest was was nine I was like trying to diet yeah I was like trying to diet in like fourth grade so it's like so interesting to me to hear you talk like that and and I'm trying so desperately um to raise my children differently, to break yeah. that cycle yeah, yeah. because it has been very harmful. I mean, for all intents and purposes at this point in my life, I'm probably the healthiest I've ever been. Um, yeah. But I have, you know, disordered eating and I have definitely been someone who purges and binges and looks at myself in the mirror and is like, "Ugh, you look disgusting. And, and I'm actually okay. You know, have that mm-hmm. body dysmorphia. And, and mm-hmm. I don't want that for my children. And interestingly, we focus on it from the moment they're born. Mm-hmm. They're put on this chart, you know, and it's like, well, where do you fall on the chart? And right. one of my children has always been less than 10th percentile. And so we're really focusing right now a lot on being overweight, but as someone who is a tiny child, who's just a tiny child on his own growth curve, I mean, they put us through hell, making us feel like, why is he he's so small in weight? And at one point they said, well, just give him haagen every day. And I said, this is my toddler who eats the most well-rounded diet I've ever seen a child eat in my life who enjoys food. Why would I do that to him? Why would I, why would I start that? And this is a pediatrician telling me to make my child have like disordered eating. So, I mean, I think a lot of this stuff we really have to like reevaluate. Um, so yeah, I just was curious because when you were talking about it, I, it was sort of coming to me that maybe you had a different upbringing. Than I, did. I did for sure. And, you know, I have relatives in my family that are thin and some, you know, I was kind of uh, raised with my mom and her sisters and her sisters were um, some of them were overweight and my mom was really thin. And so it ran the range, but no mm-hmm. one even said I need to lose weight. They just yeah. once in a while they might say I should stop drinking. Maybe, <laughs> maybe I'll lose five pounds or something. But yeah, that that was probably as far as it went. That had more to do with drinking than it had to do with eating. No one was going to stop eating for any reason. Well, I love that. Um, and, and and I tell my patients a lot that food has so many uses, right? So it's emotional and it's social and it's also nutritional. And so we have to balance that. Yeah. Yeah, you do. Definitely. Um, I don't know that my children, I mean, they know the same love for food that our whole family has and that food is food is love for Mm -hmm. us. But um, they, you know, they were all, as you say, off the charts. Yeah. And so especially my oldest, they were, he was like a big kid when he was born and even all growing up you know they they're like he's brawny and he's strong and he's and he associated that with eating yeah keep eating and it'll keep yeah and so he 
he at one point became overweight and the pediatrician said, well, he's going to get a growth spurt. And um, and he eventually did. Mm -hmm. But he started working on, you know, doing sports and that kind of thing and working on his weight himself. And I never said to him, you need to work on your weight. And the same thing with my um, my youngest, who felt her own way about it, because I think that children brought it up to her. Right. And I said, well, the pedi- I talked to the pediatrician, and the pediatrician said, well, she'll have a growth spurt. And I remember my oldest son saying, well, what, is she going to be seven feet tall? Yeah. And I said, that's mean. <laughs> and um, Kids, you're, kids are said, mean, though. Kids happened, are honest. I mean, this mean. is the same thing you went through. I don't understand. Right. right. And, um, yeah, so it's very interesting how they sort of absorbed, you, and they would people will they'll take you know you teach them a certain thing or you raise them a certain way and then they take in parts of society and and you know the media there's a big you know we'll get to that a little bit but they there's a big influence now much more so than when I was younger yeah Um, we didn't see people on tv that look like us so Mm -hmm. we weren't trying to copy those people but now you see all kinds of things on all kinds of media all kinds of venues and so sort of do I fit in where do I fit in? Yeah. Um, so coming back to our measurement tools, um, some of our newer research suggests that just the waist or waist to hip ratio, which are the other two measurements we have, um, are actually more accurate at predicting cardiovascular risk than BMI. So that's wonderful. Um, and I think potentially that causes a little bit less distress for patients. You know, yes. it's like the scale, as as we said, has always been a stressor. And so to take that away is kind of lovely. Um, and knowing that weight and body composition are just a small part of our health equation, but are a part of, of health, um, and discussing them can cause distress to patients, why do we do it? Discussing them really can cause a lot of distress to patients. I know colleagues who have gone to see certain providers and had that person address their weight as soon as they walked in the door. And I yeah. and I think to myself, you look a lot smaller than I am. So I wish that that person would say something <laughs> to me about my weight. Or, you or, know, interestingly, now we have electronic records, whereas forever and ever and ever, your provider would write whatever they wanted in your chart and you would never see it. Right. Um, and now with electronic records, you can see even yes. your office notes and things. And so people will sometimes get upset because they'll see what we call the problem list or what I yes. tell patients is it's what's special about you. So what makes your care different than someone else's is what we put in that list. Yes. Um, and sometimes it'll have the BMI in there or it'll say obese or it'll say what right. category of obesity. And it's upsetting for people. And they'll say, I want that taken out of my chart. And it's like, well, it's not untrue. Yeah, sometimes it's it's part of that health equation. So right. yeah, it's, it's it's not untrue. Part yeah. of it is what um, how you feel about yourself, but the other part of it is how it's going to affect your health. So that's what's uh, the concern for us. Which brings me to let's start with overweight. How ways that overweight being overweight can affect your GYN health? Okay, um, because it can. And it can cause a host of things, abnormal uterine bleeding and ovulation if your periods are irregular. Mm-hmm. And some of these things we'll find, you know, we'll talk about that they can, if you're underweight also. But yep. let's just talk about overweight right now. Um, infertility, uterine prolapse, which is when your uterus kind of or your cervix sort of uh, falls mm-hmm. in your into your vagina or even sometimes outside of it if you've had children. Yeah. Uh, incontinence. And those kind of go hand in hand just because the pelvic floor is supporting your it whole body. Relaxed. So you say if it's holding a lot of weight or extra weight, right. you know, it's it's tired. Right. And I say to folks that your pelvic floor is kind of like a hammock. Mm-hmm. And so when you get a hammock, it's new. When you first put it up, it's kind of taut mm-hmm. and it holds up really well. But every summer, if you don't adjust it, it starts to sag and <laughs> sag right. and sag. Before you and know so, it, your butt's dragging on the grass. Yeah. Before you know it, your uterus is dragging <laughs> on the grass. Um, incontinence. Um, there's an increased risk of polyps and fibroids and in higher incidence of comorbidities after GYN surgery. So now here's the issue. When you have, if you have estrogen and you have extra tissue, like um, if you're heavier and so you have more fatty tissue, more adipose tissue, 
it it's going to rest. That estrogen is going to sit in those tissues and you're going to yeah. hold on to more of it than you normally would. Mm-hmm. And so that is what causes you to have this growth of things like polyps and fibroids and have issues with, it stands to reason that if you have a, think about it, if you have a, well, first, before I get here, that's going to cause you to have some issues with your bleeding. Because if your hormones are out of whack, yep. then you're not going to be ovulating like you would expect to. Right. Which is, that's something that could lead to infertility. Mm-hmm. You're not going to, you're going to have abnormal bleeding because when you're not ovulating like you're supposed to, then you'll have periods that are helter scout. They're all over the place yep. and not what you would expect to be on a monthly sort of on a monthly cycle. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's the ways in which, it, you know, these things can affect your health. The other thing is that, you know, folks who are very heavy have a higher risk of endometrial cancer. That's right. That's recent studies have shown. And so I think that that's something that we don't, you know, there are some things in our lives that we can control. Right. And um, the, some things that we can not control. And so this is something that sometimes it's even just a 10% loss of your weight that will make a huge difference in yep. your health. It's not saying if you weigh my goal weight of 199, 200 <laughs> pounds. So if I lose 20 pounds, that doesn't sound like a, an, an, you know, a, that it's not possible, an impossible right. task. But it could make a huge difference if I'm having some of those kinds of issues and not developing those future problems. Right. And if you happen to have to need surgery, you're going to have some, or you could potentially have some issues with your healing for the surgery. Because you think about it, if you have an incision and you have to go through not just the normal parts of your body, but also a a whole lot of layer of, of adipose tissue, which is fatty tissue, Mm -hmm. that's, that causes problems. And very often your incision will open back up and you'll have a higher risk of infection. Sometimes the way that your, that your skin and your tissue folds can, you know, cause bacteria and moisture to kind of get down there. And, and and, yeah, I mean, it's, it's unfortunate. And even anesthetic complications, you know, it can affect your airway, it can affect, you know, all of that. So. And sometimes because you are heavier, you need more medication for things yeah. and that kind of stuff. So just like, you know, people think, well, I'm heavier, so I have to drink more to get to where you are. Because you're not <laughs> a, it's, it's kind of the same deal with um, with the medications that you need. And so these are things that we are contemplating um, when we're kind of talking to you about problems that you may be having. So it isn't because we n- want to be picking on you, especially... Right. You know, I think that midwives and APRNs and people like that are very sensitive and physicians who are there are some who are very woke. And so they're paying attention too. I find that it's more men who are commenting on people's bodies. Yeah, that's true. More women are more um, more conscious of, you know, how someone feels about that and more Mm -hmm. sensitive. Yep. And so um, at least just in conversations, that's what I've what I've discovered. And so. You know, I, but it isn't just no one's trying to make you feel bad. It's also because we have serious and legit concerns about what's going on with you. Yep. So um, we had touched upon how there are some overlaps with ways that being underweight can affect your GYN health. And so some of those overlaps are things like ovulatory dysfunction and abnormal uterine bleeding, which PR talked about, um, which can lead to things like infertility. Um, So those things come hand in hand because, again, if you're underweight, you know, females have I always talk about this with my patients. We have hips and thighs and breasts to help support um, basically the function of having children, you know, and listen, trust me when I tell you, I know that we are so much more than, you know, just a womb for sure. But, you know, talking about it in an anthropologic way, that's what we're sort of like put here to do is make babies. And so our bodies um, are are made to do that. And so when you're significantly underweight, those things can be affected. Um, You know, women who start out underweight can have a later onset of menarche or or their period. Um, They can have a delay of sex characteristics. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, think hips and breasts and that kind of thing. Um, They have increased incidence sometimes of vitamin deficiencies and anemias, um, you know, because maybe they're really thin because of malabsorption or something like that. So um, 
They have increased risk of osteoporosis. So again, kind of the skinnier, the smaller you are, the increased risk of osteoporosis, which is where your bones get sort of holy and they're more likely to um, have fracture. Um, and then again, also complications with surgery. So just like you might need more anesthesia um, if you're a little bit overweight, you might need a lot less if you're underweight. They may have a difficult time, you know, sort of maintaining that. Um and healing can also be affected. So if you have a poor nutritional status, um, again, your, your tissue is not going to heal as well. Right. Yeah. Uh, so I was, you were saying something and I was thinking I wanted to uh, comment on that, but it just kind of went out of my old head. Should we take a quick break and I then think, come back to this? I think we should. Okay. We're going to take a, a quick station break and we'll be back. Thank you for listening. Greetings, and this is Wine Time with Grown Ass Woman, an intergenerational conversation with Ife Michelle. I'm sexy. And Sharon Leanne. <laughs> you make me want to add a, a name. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure you hit us up. We want to hear from you. Um, again, our email is gawomenspeak at gmail.com. We're back and you're listening to the Midwife Crisis Podcast, where today we're talking about weight and body image. Um, and so we had just actually left off on discussing sort of how your GYN health, your gynecologic health can be affected by, um, you know, sort of the extremes in body weight. So when you're overweight and underweight, and uh, we've talked a little bit about how we talk to our patients um, at, at my annual visits, I always ask my patients, how do you feel about your body? Um, if they feel like they have a well-balanced diet, um, if they feel like they do a good amount at least three times a week of some standardized activity that increases their heart rate. Um, I find many women who are over or underweight are aware of that. You know, like we, even with body dysmorphia and even with self-esteem issues, you kind of know, right. um, usually have some kind of idea. Um, and oftentimes people that are in either of those scenarios are working towards improving their health. Uh, I've been told by many of my patients that have like either transferred into me, um, sometimes have switched providers, um, especially if they're overweight, that again, like they're aware and it's really offensive to them if it's assumed by their healthcare provider that they're sedentary or that they mm -hmm. have a poor diet. And that's really frustrating. Um, you know, I, I've been told by underweight patients mm -hmm. that oftentimes no one even addresses diet or exercise with them because they're just like, oh, you're skinny. So you're fine, you know, and it's like they may not be healthy. They may be like, dude, I'm eating Taco Bell every day. And, you know, like it's that we need to be addressing things. So I think coming from just like with everything, coming to a patient with openness, without assumptions and allowing them to tell us about what makes them right. them, you know, and, and allowing them to tell us about how they feel about their bodies. And, and again, that will be helpful to us because if they say, listen, I know I'm overweight. I've struggled with, you know anorexia and I'm trying to figure that out and I'm working on it. I've got a therapist. That's going to change the way you, you talk to that patient about it. And, and with course. that awareness, you know, we're allowing them to share. And so I think that that is, I don't know, for me, that's sort of how I approach it. I don't know. What do you think, Pierre? Um, I think that I try to meet folks, like I said, where they are. Yep. I look for trends. So if there's a sharp increase in your weight mm -hmm. then I sort of mentioned that you've gained some weight do you were, was that intentional were you what was going on what yeah. is going on and usually that sort of opens the door for them to without judgment for them to just explain what happened or you lost weight yeah what's happening with that and I don't assume that w because they lost weight that that is a good thing right until they tell me it's a right. good thing like I was trying I was using you know whatever program they were using to yeah. try to lose or weight. like my kid's really sick and I'm getting a divorce and right so because <laughs> it could be a lot of emotional stuff like right. that so I let them explain and then if it's something good I say fantastic and if not then I say well what are you doing to support yourself yeah uh, so that you because you need to be nourished regardless mm -hmm. of, of your size. So I basically kind of just meet folks wherever they are and I look for trends in their weight. And some folks have been um, overweight their whole their entire lives. Mm -hmm. 
And so meeting me isn't going to be magical and they're going to all of a sudden like drop 40 pounds. That's right. just some craziness. Right. And uh, I, I pick my spots. What's most important message for you to have when you leave your visit with me? That's right. What, you know, what are the one, two, three things tops that I want you to walk out the door thinking about? And it isn't often your weight. Yeah. That's not. And also, what feeling do you want them to leave with, right? Like, are they comfortable or are they like leaving here being feeling defeated? You know, like, yeah, that's, you, that's, that's awful. I've, I've been there. <laughs> yeah, that is that is the worst. And um, I have two. And I've well, I mainly only been there in pregnancy where I was just, you know, berated for gaining weight and for some of the what mm -hmm. I was eating. And um and I just said, I don't want to see that provider anymore. Yeah. And in the end, I became good friends with that person. But for that time in my life, I just said, I, I want to avoid that person. Yeah. And then it came down to, well, you know what? This is like roulette. You might land on her call. Mm -hmm. So you need to try and work this out so that you come to some kind of an agreement so you guys can work on it. But I felt like I had been... I mean, I got went to the car and I cried because it wasn't just talking about your concerns. It was, as I said, it was a berating. Yeah. It was. And, and I think that that's really important that you not make people feel small. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I um, I've I've already talked about how I was uncomfortable with my weight gain in pregnancy. And I remember I hadn't I wasn't like out with my pregnancy yet because I had um, had my loss and I had my infertility stuff. Um, and I just was like, I don't know, I didn't want to share yet. And I remember when it sort of came out that I was pregnant and a provider that wasn't in the group that I went to um, was like, yeah, you guys didn't know. Look at her face. She's shaped like a moon. And I what? just was like, what the hell? Like it was, it made me feel terrible. Like that's, you don't talk to someone like that. You no. know, I just, you know, so yeah, it's, we have to, we have to consider those things. So it's, See my sharp tongue. I would have quickly said, what's your excuse? Are you pregnant too? <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. I was just like, yeah, I totally look like a moon. <laughs> and I went in the locker room and cried. <laughs> I know. Cause that's you. And I'm a brawler. I'm, I'm, a, I'm definitely a brawler. Like, and why is your face like that? No, oh my God. What, what's your issue? Um, so yeah, I, yeah. I, and people say you have such, your comebacks are so quick. I said, sometimes they're not appropriate, but that's okay. If I feel like you're trying to cut me, then I'm going to get my sword out and cut you back. Yep. Anyway, we talked a little bit about, you know, weight measurements. Um, you want to talk about obstetrics? Sure. So, um, yeah, when you're considered overweight and you're starting out in a pregnancy, there are some slightly increased risks. So, um, things like miscarriage, um, gestational diabetes, which is diabetes that only occurs, um, during pregnancy, preeclampsia, which is a disease of pregnancy. Um, but it stems around having, uh, mostly a high blood pressure, uh, uh, having I wrote veno thromboembolism, which hey, hello a blood clot. <laughs> I should have just written that. Right. Um, but you're at increased risk for having blood clots, and these are all things that you're at a risk for being pregnant. So it's not that you're, you know, just alone from being overweight or putting yourself at these risks. But there are things that are slightly increased um, right. when you're overweight. You have a slightly increased risk of needing to be induced for labor. So meaning we have to kind of push you into labor. Um, you have an increased risk of C-section. And of course, with that, potential anesthetic complications and wound infections. And according to the National Institute of Health, um, women who are overweight are less likely to initiate or maintain breastfeeding and may struggle more with breastfeeding. Um, and so again, when we go back to those uh, hormonal issues that we talked about that sometimes have to do with fat and have to do with those right. hormonal changes, um, you know, you may not have that lactogenesis, that, you know, initial startup of making milk. It may not be as strong. You may not produce as much. Um, and of course, all of those things end up going hand in hand and circular because we know that women who breastfeed typically lose weight faster after they deliver. And so it's, you know, it's just sort of a cycle. It does become a cycle. Yeah. And then their babies, if you're not breastfeeding, you tend to formula feed, which 
if you look at the literature, those babies are overfed. Yeah, they tend to be overfed, and so yeah, and not on um, purpose. We love we love our babies, pur- and yeah, we know sure. we know we're trying to keep them healthy. But you know, babies' bellies are so so small, and their nutritional needs are so um, so little. They're little, yeah, they're <laughs> limited. I remember my family saying, um, "You're always feeding that boy." maybe you should just put some cereal in his bottle, yeah. in a bottle for him. And I was like, in in his bottle? What bottle? The bottle of my boobs that I'm wearing? <laughs> You're just going like, to pour some dry cereal in his mouth and bottle. then squirt some milk into it? <laughs> give him a bottle. And I said, he's getting, he's building his milk up to where he need to the level that he requires. Right. And that takes time. But like um, Kate was saying, if, you know, you might have issues with making, there are certain switches that go on and off when we're pregnant into postpartum period and, you know, when you're not pregnant. So hormonal switches. And so sometimes that switch doesn't switch on and off when you, if you have like an abundance of weight and um, it, it makes certain hormones hang around and others not, not kick in. So um, that can be an issue. Um, when you're underweight, there are also some increased risk. You have risk of preterm birth, of small for what, something called SGA, which is small for gestational age, which means mm-hmm. your baby's smaller than you would think it would be for the age that it is when it's born. And can, you can also have uh, issues with difficulty breastfeeding. And I want to point out that breastfeeding has nothing to do with the size of your breasts. That's true. That I think is 100% that that's an true. important point yeah. that people look at themselves and they say, I don't think I have any milk mm-hmm. because it's just either because milk wasn't coming out while they were pregnant, which is not necessary, or because they are small, they have small breasts and they say, I don't think this is going to, I don't know. Do yeah. you think this will work? And that one really has nothing to do with the other. That's I, absolutely right. I know tons of people with super tiny boobs who've made a boatloads of milk. Oh my and goodness! And I know people with enormous breasts that you know struggle to produce. So it's it that you're absolutely yes. right. Those things really are not involved. Um, so what can we do to minimize all these risks? What can we do for our patients? You know, this is this is our job. We're trying to sort of create the best and safest and healthiest environment for them to live and grow and grow babies and and be their best selves, right? So. Um, Part of it is identifying patients who may be at risk. Um, and so especially early on in pregnancy, um, having an honest communication with them and being open and saying, you know, listen, you are overweight and I think it would be okay if you only gained five pounds the whole pregnancy or even right. no no pounds. And, you know, whereas some people might say you're eating for two or you need those 300 extra calories a day, you really don't. So, right. you know, we need to kind of look at that and, and finding a, a sensitive way to do so. You know, there's ways to say to someone, you know, this is what our, our plan is and this is to keep you and your baby healthy versus just being like, well, you're fat, so don't gain any weight, which and I've I know kind of some, heard people I've say I've heard that people way. say that. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, we have to work with our patients and families to come up with safe and healthy and reasonable goals. So just like what PR was saying, she, no one's going to walk out of our visit and be like, I'm going to lose 40 pounds right now, you know, but to say to them, hey, you know, it would be a great goal is let's try not to gain any weight before the next um, OB visit or, you know, absolutely. How about for this coming year, we're going to try to maintain our weight or, or lose five pounds, you know, that kind of thing. Just something that's really an attainable and healthy goal. Um, and we have resources that we can reach out to. You know, there's nutritional counseling um, to help someone, you know, either maintain weight, maybe even increase their weight. If we've got someone who's underweight and we can say, hey, you know, how can we get you to get these calories in? You know, something I actually see in pregnancy that a lot of people don't talk about is women losing weight when they were sort of normal or underweight to begin with because they just don't feel well. And so um, we then need to struggle on how do we get this nutrition into them and and creative ways to do that. So it's not always about weight loss. You know, it's sometimes about, you know, you can put it on and make sure that you're nourishing the baby as well as you can. Exactly. And certainly in the case of pregnancy, um, encouraging, you know, safe exercises and activities. You know, we know a lot of women, you know, their mom tells them you're not allowed to do, you know, exercise in pregnancy. And and that's not true. Um, We know I've heard that from many people. And, and, you know, exercise, you know, that's that's reasonable, that gets your heart rate up, but that you're comfortable doing in pregnancy can decrease all those risks that you're at risk for. So we can kind of, you know, negate those risks a little bit by having you be active, by having you, um, you know, maintain 
exercise goals and and not smoking and no drug use and all of that, you know, basic stuff that we don't want anyone to do. But again, that would sort of compound those risks. Right. Exactly. Um, I don't think I have anything to add with regard to that stuff. A plus. Um, (laughs) You always think of things later, but um, I did want to bring, because of the kind of podcast that we are, I did want to briefly discuss some of the racial um, considerations. And that is that, um, and I think I talked about it a little bit already, people from different ethnic groups have different notions of body and beauty and what's acceptable for that particular group. Yeah, absolutely. And so using tools like, you know, BMI, et cetera, can be limiting and used to pass judgment in a way that disconnects um, our patients from us rather than influencing them to do, to take the best care of themselves. Right. And especially for people of color, there are so many factors that come into play because it's not just height and weight. It's sort of our curvy figures and that we, our culture has valued that, that that's been attractive to our partners. Yeah. And so, and it's, so it's in, being such it's been encouraged mm-hmm. instead of you know not having weight on and i remember when i was at my thinnest that um my ex would say you you gonna stay like that <laughs> <laughs> you, you well maybe if you did some exercises that'll kind of like build up a little bit of something <laughs> what's happening here And, and I, so I'm a confident person and I just kind of in my mind said, I'm going to stay like this and you're going to like it and (laughs) and just kind of walk away. But, um, that's not everybody. That's not, you know, some people that's really, that would destroy them if their loved one made a comment. Well, he's made a similar comment about my stretch marks. He said, are you going to keep those? That's gold. And I, I said, love that. I said, that's my badge of motherhood? Am I going to keep it? Girl, like, mine's my badge of puberty. Of, I've, I've been rocking course, those things since third grade. Of course I'm going <laughs> to keep it. And you're going to like it. Oh, that's amazing. Um, so anyways, yeah, it just depends on the person. But, you know, you have to assume that sensitivity until the person proves that they're strong. And then eventually I just gained and gained and gained. And then I... I don't think that's what he meant, but too late. It was too late by then. Um, but anyways, it's not just that that body, the shape and all that stuff. But, you know, our our skin color, our hair, our uh, facial features, you know, just those are all factor into how we view ourselves yep. and the, our standards of beauty. You know, the fact that we. Um, I've, I haven't had the opportunity to do this, but, you know, we add hair to ourselves and mm-hmm. we have makeup and I use makeup, so I'm not going to tell that lie. Um, but makeup and for a long time, we couldn't even find makeup that was appropriate for us. Yeah. And so things, you know, that kind of stuff and that uh, certain tones of our skin were perceived to be better than others if you were fair skinned then that's better than being really dark skinned dark chocolate skinned if your hair was straighter or curly that that was better than having hair that's like tight kinky coiled or whatever and so I think that we've made some big strides more of late to about beauty and what our our uh, our sort of our own interpretation and what we see to be beautiful but weight is definitely a big one and we don't get so you know the people we admire they are curvilicious you know your um your jill scotts and your beyonce's and your i I don't i don't even know i mean there are so many people that you could call out that aren't lizzo lizzo (laughs) missy elliott even um queen latifah even now uh the queen Rihanna now also is um you know she's put a little bit of weight on and it's not it's, it's she looks beautiful. She's speaking of curvilicious. Mm-hmm. She is curvilicious. And she has a whole new clothing line that includes all that's inclusive because it has yes. larger sizes and, and lingerie and her, too, which all of her um, lingerie ads are so amazing and have so many different body body types, types different types of women. That's really important. You know, it's, and it's and her awesome. makeup has like forty. I don't know. Yeah, a, th- a thousand shades of of types, so that which we couldn't get from the mainstream, right. or you know, well, she's mainstream now too. But 
you know, previously when I was growing up, you couldn't get that kind of stuff. So all of that factored in that we couldn't look like Barbie. We were never going to look like Barbie. So Barbie wasn't who we aspired to look like. And um, we weren't aspiring to look like the folks in Vogue and the folks in because that's not who we are. So um, we say we like who we are. And that's um, it's interesting. I I was looking at some body satisfaction studies. And so consistently in most of the studies, it's sort of said that in terms of um, self-image, that sort of uh, black women have like the highest Mm self-image, that they they don't see much wrong with themselves, even when they are overweight or they're categorized as obese. You know, they have a retort, like my so-and-so likes it, so you know, bug off basically. <laughs> and then Latinx after them, because there's sort of, a, there's a mix there because Latinx also has, they have a lot of the same sort of features, body fe- types, and then white women and then Asian women more so because they are raised to be concerned for their body types and yeah. and their weight and that kind of thing. So it was really interesting for me to kind of look at that stuff. And on the one hand, I feel good, but on the other hand, when, if it's uh, making us unhealthy, then that's a concern. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So similarly, uh, in the LGBTQIA plus population, um, you know, there's already a lot of stigma being like a queer person and you already have a decreased access to safe care and you may not feel comfortable. Um, so if you compound that with someone who's, you know, overweight or underweight, you know, that, that provides another barrier for them. Um, we know that the LGBTQIA plus population is at a higher risk for certain health disparities. Lesbian and bisexual women specifically have been shown um, to be at increased risk for being overweight and obese. Um, and also this population a lot of times um, has more substance use issues. Mm-hmm. Um, so things like smoking and alcohol, which can c- further compound these risks. Um, I think it's super important that, you know, we've talked about this a million times and it, we're working on it really hard in our own practice, but um, just coming up with a wellness model that is inclusive and includes everyone. So right. no matter what the color of your skin or what culture you are or what your sexuality is, what you know, um, just to be inclusive and making sure that we're really giving these every person, you know, no matter who they are, opportunities to have preventative health care, access to safe and inclusive care, you know, non-binary and transgender males, um, lesbians, bisexual women, everyone, anyone that we might be coming in contact with, making sure that they feel self, self, <laughs> that they feel safe right. and included. No, I think that's um, important. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I, I think I think those are those are some of the main points. So should we should we wrap this up? Is is weight more than just a number? How can we keep our patients physically and men- mentally healthy? I can't talk. I'm struggling today. <laughs> <laughs> she hasn't I'm even sorry. <laughs> she hasn't even been drinking. I have not. I'm just I'm just fading. Um, that's okay because we're we're um, about we're uh, about to fade to black. That's nice. Um, <laughs> I think um, we need to, I think we've we've emphasized this throughout the cat podcast today, that we need to approach weight discussions with sensitivity. We need to ask patients how they feel about their weight, and we need to go from there. Right. We don't need to make, we don't need to come into the conversation with our own assumptions, yep. and we don't need to... Um, I think it's really hard. You're you if you are an overweight provider to go tell some overweight person, oh, you know you're overweight, right? Yep. And that ha- that person they should respond. And have you looked in the mirror? <laughs> that's amazing. Um, that's I really want someone to say that. But um, <laughs> we need to make sure that we're avoiding assumptions about diet, activity level, and body perceptions. So remember that that person who's underweight may not be super thrilled about it, you know, and similarly, someone who's overweight can totally be healthier and more physically fit than someone of a quote unquote normal weight. So I'm just going to throw it out there again. Lizzo, she does these amazing concerts where she changes her costume 15 times. She is in the entire time singing, rapping, playing the flute while she's dancing, running around that stage for like 90 90 minutes minutes every night. Okay. So guess what? 
if your BMI is normal and you're sitting on the couch all day and it's between you and Lizzo doing a relay race with me, yeah. like, bitch, <laughs> you better believe I'm choosing Lizzo <laughs> and we're going to crush you. <laughs> <laughs> She's not going to pick you to be on her Sorry, team, even though you're normal. Your normal <laughs> she doesn't dig normal. Uh, you got to encourage patients to keep at it, whether it's, the, you know, your new increase in activity or attempting to gain a bit of weight or just you just have to be encouraging instead of shaming. Mm-hmm. Just body shaming is disgusting and it just yeah. it needs to stop yeah i know people have been making jokes about it for years you know calling names and saying look 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 and just stop it because none yeah. of us is a perfect specimen i'm gonna throw myself on the coals too and say we have to stop doing it with ourselves yeah i'm like i totally will do this i'll always be like oh yeah and i'm grabbing my like fupa and i'm you know look at this and if someone will say you look great and i'm so bad at taking you know, that kind of accolade. Yeah. I'm just like, yeah, okay. You know, what's funny. I gained five pounds and they're like, they don't care. Like, why are you doing that? So, and and we have to stop doing that. So this is a goal. 2020 is a new year. I'm going to start just being a lot more positive about myself. Um, and so I can be a good role model for all of our patients. I am too. So I'm going to stop. Um, it's still my goal weight. But anyways, <laughs> I've got to stop saying that I'm old and I, I was here when dinosaurs roamed the earth and, and stuff And I'm going like to stop that. laughing at that. No, you're not. <laughs> but that's okay. It's all right. I'm, I'm going to because I'm, I'm wiser. You know, being older means being wiser. Absolutely. So. Yep. And finally, just again, we already talked about this, but working together with patients and families, we want to just promote health and realistic goals. So honestly... You know, if you're really overweight, that is not defining for you. And we need to focus on the health part and not just that number on the scale. Um, And be ready to celebrate with our patients and celebrate their achievements. You know, when someone comes in and says, yeah, you know what? I just started back at the gym. You know, it's January and it's hard to not have like a hard eye roll. Like, oh, new year, new you. (laughs) But like, you know what? That's fucking awesome. So we need to be like, yeah, girl, like that's awesome. Keep at it. Like it takes so much to get up and and do that. So we should be celebrating that. Definitely we should. And when they haven't done anything, despite your list of what you contracted with them to do the previous year, then just say to them, I'm so glad you showed up. Yeah. I I just tell them, I'm glad you came. You didn't stay away from me just because you didn't do that. I didn't do a bunch of stuff either. So we're all in this together. Let's just I still haven't done my blood work from like 2017. (laughs) What? Oh my goodness. I know. Um, I often use pregnancy as an opportunity to educate or motivate women to want to reform. Because that's when, you know, you're captive. You want to have a better diet. You want to, and I say, this is an opportunity to kind of change your ways if you want to mm-hmm. so that your child can um, learn a, a better way or a good way of eating when they start to eat food. Yeah. I mean, you've seen lots of families where like the whole family is wide. So that started because no one ever made a change. And so the kid is doing the same thing that the parents are doing. Yeah. And um, and it is what that situation is what it is but I try to use that opportunity because most women who are pregnant will do anything anything to make sure that that baby is healthy and that the situation they're bringing them into is the best one that they can so um but you know we're not going to re-raise people like be sure of that and Mm -hmm. insulting them definitely isn't the answer absolutely so just motivate and celebrate that's what we want to do and be respectful and still know that you're not the only one who's going through or having suffered anything that you have gone through or suffered regarding your weight. We're all working on it. Like we're all working on it every single day, you know? And I think that just acknowledging that and being, you know, celebrating people for who they are, no matter what size, that's what we should be doing. Amen. Not amen. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Okay. Well, since I can barely talk, I think uh, we're going to wrap it up. So thank you guys so much for listening. We'd like to thank uh, Baobab Tree Studios and especially Amen and Rev Kev, um, all of our friends, all of our family, and you, um, the listeners who make this podcast possible. For sure. Please be sure to subscribe and like us on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you listen. And... 
Facebook, Instagram, at the Midwife Crisis Podcast, or email us at midwifecrisispodcast at gmail.com. We love to hear from you. We love your comments. Put them, uh, if, you, if it's on your site where you listen to podcasts, just add a little comment because we want to hear what you think. Good, bad, in the middle. We want right. to make this your podcast. That's right. Because it's not just you. Yep. But it is about you. That's exactly right. So, uh, I don't know. Until next time, I guess wait for me isn't anything but a number. And drink a lot of water. Bye. Adios. Adios.